0: Have you ever thought, I don't know how I would survive if this or that ever happened? Well, here's how. These are the stories of how people just like you and I have gone through difficult life events and survived. It's a journey of faith, hope, and yes, the power of love. Here is the survival guide for the non-survivor. Well, hi there, and welcome along to another edition of The Survival Guide. And uh, I've been telling you the stories of some other folks along the way. I'm also going to share some of my story with you and give you what I hope to be some spiritual encouragement for the struggles and the battles that you are facing. This podcast began with a dream, and I'm not talking about the kind of dream that's a vision or I'm dreaming that this will happen, but an actual honest to goodness at night sort of dream. And it really troubled me and I struggle with it. And I've learned over the course of time that sometimes God does speak to us in specific ways in our dreams. So let me tell you about the dream. Now, I've, I've, experienced my share of trauma throughout my life. My trauma resume, you might say, is I lost my mother at a young age. I was uh, just 23, not as young as some, but still just getting started in life. And um, she lost her to cancer. Then uh, my father passed away uh, around the age of 74 from from pancreatic cancer. Uh, My wife of 25 years, first wife, Barbara, she passed away uh, from the long-term effects of rheumatoid arthritis. And, And I know when I tell people you can die from rheumatoid arthritis. Sometimes they look at me as if I had just told them that uh, you can die from a splinter, right? So a lot of folks don't realize that also uh, on my way to uh, now sharing a very beautiful Uh, Marriage with my wife Maxine. There was another broken relationship and 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 some other struggles along the way that uh, I I was a pastor for nearly 20 years. So if you've been a pastor, you know that in itself can be a trauma, right? And as a very empathetic person, I've felt the trauma as of others uh, along the way as well. So I I understand a little bit about this trauma thing, this grief thing. So uh, I had this dream that uh, I was back home at the home I grew up in and my mom and my dad and my grandma, Scott, who has passed away, she was there. And my sister was there as well. And we noticed the water outside was starting to, to rise. And we were hearing on the radio that there was this huge flood coming through and we should all just basically batten down and hope for the best, but not expect to survive. You know, I don't think they actually put those warnings out there anymore. No, you're going to die, but just relax, you know, that kind of thing. So this is how the dream came together and we could see the water getting deeper and deeper outside, even though with the, uh, the old sliding glass door in our family room area where we were, we could see it kind of rising against the door, not coming into the house, but then it happened. The house started to rumble. You could feel the rumble of the house and out one of the windows, you could see this big gray wall of water coming towards the house and just as the house really shook and we were praying, all of us were praying together. That's when I woke up. Now that's kind of a, a disturbing dream anyway, but God began to reveal to me that, you know, you have been through a lot of things that have destroyed your house. You've been through a lot of trauma that has really shaken you to the core of who you are. But out of that, you've learned some things. You've survived. You've learned how to get up every morning and, uh, you know, take a deep breath of God in, breathe in his fresh mercies every day. You've learned how to do that. Somehow, despite the fact that sometimes I've wanted to give up, and by the way, that's a very biblical thing. You look throughout Scripture, Moses wanted to uh, be taken home, Lord, Jonah wanted to die, and it goes, you know, Job, it goes on and on with uh, people throughout Scripture who struggled with these feelings, and I've struggled with those myself. And God has told me, but look, you've gotten up every morning and not only have you survived, but you figured out how to thrive. And these are things you can share with others. And that was the beginning of the idea for survival guide for the non survivor. And that is so many of us think there's no way I could survive this or that, or I don't know how I'm going to survive this that's happening to me. Well, this is the survival guide for uh, helping us. Even when we think "I I can't do it, I can't do it anymore. Recently, as I began to find ways to deal with some of the stresses and struggles that I was facing in my journey, God led me to an, a, a new habit that has been such a beautiful thing every morning, and I would encourage you to this as well, and that is I would ask my questions to Scripture. And I've gone through uh, book by book in the New Testament, different books. I started off just in various places in Scripture, but I've narrowed it down to every day staying in the same book until I get all the way through it. And, and I read through it, and, and then I realize, you know, there's something here that speaks to my anxiety. There's something here that's speaking to my struggle, and, and I'm going to find out what it is. So I ask the question, and then I go through that scripture and find the ways that it answers it. Like, for example, uh, today I want to go to Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 30. Uh, I'm going to be reading this from the New Living Translation. I believe the day I did this, uh, I, I've been using the voice voice paraphrase translation. I think it is a little bit. It's a really interesting newer version. And I find sometimes the newer versions and and translations help me to think fresh thoughts into the scripture to allow the scripture to breathe fresh into me because I have read it so many times at this point of my journey. That's why sometimes I go to different translations. But here's from the New Living Translation. And it says this, this is uh, Philippians 1 verses 12 through 30. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped me to spread the good news. Now, Paul is speaking out of his struggle. He's had some really rough stuff happen. And he's saying, you know, all this stuff that has been going on has has helped create an ethic in me for dealing with this. And that speaks to my heart. He says, For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ and because of my imprisonment. Most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those who do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ, they they preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. But it doesn't matter whether their motives are false or genuine. The message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that as you pray for me and the spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, that will lead to my deliverance. And and it goes, there's quite a bit here I want to mine with you. And I realize listening to somebody read a long passage of Scripture can be a little tedious. So what I want to do is encourage you to go back and pick up Philippians chapter 1 and read verses 12 through 30. Mark that down. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 30. Now, I'm going to tell you some of the things that spoke to me in this passage. And I hope in sharing these, they will kind of not only bring the Scripture to a new life, but help you find some answers that you may be struggling with. And so the question that I began to ask from this section of scripture is, uh, how do I serve well, even when I'm going through the dark places? Now, the dark places have become my term for the really troubling parts of my psyche that I I struggle with at times. the, The part that can be bent to anxiety and depression and even wanting to give up. I call those the dark places rightfully so, but I've learned over the course of life that they don't have to rule me. Now, I have a little piece of structure in my mind that helps me to understand grief, and I recognize it also helps me in all areas of depression and anxiety, especially where I've dealt with grief uh, because of loss due to death, where I where I dealt with grief with my um, uh, wife Barbara after she passed away. Uh, I began to understand that grief is kind of like a box in your room. and when you are first grieving, you're going to live underneath that box of grief for a while. It's going to, it's going to master you. It's going to be your boss. And this may happen for about a year or so. That first year of grieving, you're just getting used to life in this new reality and grief can can get on top of you an awful lot. But then in the second year, you start to realize, oh, I've made it through this and I've made it through this and I've made it through this. So maybe I can do it again. And by that third year, hopefully you're starting to say, Oh wow, I'm making it through these things despite living with that box of grief in my life. And what happens is this, instead of living under the box, we begin to live over it and around it. Now, occasionally because that box will always be there in the room of our life, we're going to stub our toe on it (laughs) and that's going to hurt may bring tears it's always going to be there it's always going to be a reality but the key is to allow ourselves to grow in our struggles and our traumas and our grief and learn to live over it and around it rather than under it recognizing that sometimes yeah we're going to stub our toe on it we're going to get hurt we may trip over it from time to time. Sometimes we'll forget it's there. And then all of a sudden, you know, we do a Dick Van Dyke trip over it and right there in the living room of our life. And uh, (laughs) all we can do is either cry or laugh at that moment, you know? So how, when we are in those dark places, when we're, we're facing this grief or this struggle that has become so real to us, how do we serve well? How do we do the good stuff that we are privileged to do? as followers of Jesus. And again, I'm going to speak from my perspective as being a follower of Jesus. And if you're not one, uh, perhaps there's something here in my perspective uh, of understanding this that can help you to uh, also find your way to the value of following Jesus. But uh, uh, how do we serve well even in the dark places? So the first thing I found in this scripture is this, dark places can actually help propel us To serving stronger. And by the way, this is my little journal book that I have here that I'm reading my notes from. But uh, uh, dark places can actually help us, uh, propel us to serve stronger. Something really valuable I've learned and I've decided for my life. That is, if I have to go through junk, I'm going to learn something from it, and I'm going to try to help other people. And it's those dark places that are so refining for our life. When things are easy, we tend to kick back and relax a little bit. Where we really learn, where we grow, is when we struggle. You know, in, in, in uh, I believe with Second Timothy, God talks about being refined like silver. Uh, so that, you know, normal uh, eating ware might be made out of wood. Now, that's antiquated. Perhaps we might think, well, sometimes we use plastic ware for our, eh, and it's not very refined dining, but when we do the special dining, we always pull out the silverware. It's hard to make silverware. You have to beat the stuff. You have to refine it. It has to— uh, fall under a lot of pressure to be formed for its usefulness. But when it is formed, it's a glorious thing and it's very useful. And, and I, I look at, at our struggles like that. They form us. They help build us. So remember that as we ask the question, how do I serve well, even though I'm going through this dark place, remember this is a place where we can learn to serve stronger because we're really in, a, in the learning part of our curve at this point. God's giving us opportunity to learn and grow. Take notes of what you learn think about them. Uh, perhaps if you can journal, journal. At the very least, find somebody you can talk to to perhaps process these things with. Are you like, are you a verbal processor? See, I, I, I am. And that gets me in trouble with some folks, because sometimes I say things out loud that I'm just thinking about that may or may not be my uh, firm conviction. It's just like, I wonder how this processes out loud. And you have to have the right people to do that with, right? (laughs) But however you process things, if you can find somebody to process them with, that's a a valuable thing. Here's the second idea that I came up with, and that is my struggles can be an encouragement to me and to others. Uh, One of my life goals is to be a blessing to others every day. And I've found this pattern in scripture about blessings. And that is God blesses the one to bless the many and blesses the many to bless the one. And you find this throughout scripture. That's why our blessings aren't given to us. The good things in our life aren't giving, given to us just so we can sit back and enjoy them. But just like grace is given to us, it's given to us so we can be a part of a community and share these great things with others and, and really make a difference in the lives of other folks. My struggles can be an encouragement to me and to others. Number three, selfish ambitions and personal agendas. Are of no service to the good news. Let love and goodness be your sole motivation. If we are in it for ourselves, we're going to be in it for ourselves. (laughs) Makes sense, right, Greg? Uh, Personal agendas, though, really don't serve the good news of Jesus well. So if we are thinking about how do I serve Jesus well? How do I serve others well? That is getting beyond our own selfish ambitions, even in those dark places where we tend to focus on me. How can I find ways of focusing on others? And one of the best lessons I've learned on this throughout life, especially during my years as a pastor, I saw this at work and that is if I can find ways to to serve somebody else and to help them, it gets my mind off my own issues for a time. Pouring myself into somebody else is a great way to help me find resolution for the things that I struggle with, helping someone else, it's a great help to me. Number four, listen and hear the good news. Experience its joy. If you're not spending time in the good news of the Word of God, then you're missing out on a great source of joy for your day. Number five, whether it's in or out of a dark place, keep the focus and intent on Jesus. And again, I'm pulling all these things from things that I saw in this passage from uh, Philippians 1, verses 12 through 30. Uh, wherever I am in a good place or a dark place, keep the focus, keep my intent on Jesus, make him at the forefront, worship him, spend time in worship with him, with others and uh, speak with him. Say, say, Jesus, I, I, I need this moment with you. I'm, I want to breathe you into this moment. I even do this little thing. I call a deep breath, holy pause. And if you have read any of my books, you've seen uh, this discussed. That is where I, I, I breathe in the spirit. Uh <sighs> and then I take this holy pause to remember God is present with me in the moment. There's something, uh, by the way, vitally important about that deep breath that I've only learned in recent years. When we breathe in, we are preparing our, our body for the struggle. You know, <laughs> you ever gasp or, or when you're going underwater for a time and you need to hold your breath, of course you, you take in the breath. However, releasing that breath sends a signal to our body that things are well now. <sighs> I can relax. I can rest. So it's important. If, if this sounds like schmaltzy, modern age thinking stuff, uh, I'm only using this to help me to understand the process of allowing God to be Lord of this moment in my life. Whatever works for you, you you, you do that. But again, breathing in and, and recognizing the Spirit of God is with me. Be content before him and then pause, wait and say, he's here. God is with me. I call it my holy pause, a deep breath, holy pause moment, and oh my goodness, that's helped me through so many challenging moments. Uh, listen and hear the good news, experience its joy, and then um keep the focus and intent on Jesus, number six on my list when life is about Jesus, we can live above and beyond the true, dark places. that's just so true when we we figure out how to get that focus on him and what he teaches us, and, and what his people bring into our life, the good things. I, I've, especially through social media, experienced the reality that so many people have been hurt by church. But that does us a disservice, because when we're focusing on that negative, we, we fail to see how many, many more people have been helped by coming together with other believers. You just need to find the right community of believers. And if that community is hurting you, I mean, really hurting you, that may not be the right community for you. Find a community of believers that you can take those God moments with and find God reflected there and active in the moment and um, that you can know that he is Lord, that's that's healthy, that's an orthodox community that believes the orthodox teachings of, of Scripture. Find that kind of community where you can commune with God and and help to focus on Jesus rather than on on people junk. You know what I'm saying? You get that focus on Jesus. That helps a whole lot in the dark places. And again, I draw that from Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 30. Uh, two more things. Number seven, whether in or out of a dark place, know your purpose. Focus on the good news of Jesus. Find your purpose. Focus on the good news of Jesus. I I, I worry, and I, I don't worry about this. I, I try to get beyond worry, but I recognize, because I've heard the language some folks use, that some folks are afraid that if we talk about things like purpose or finding the actions that we have, we can do that that thwarts grace, that in order to have grace and allow grace to do its work, we must do nothing, like be a spiritual amoeba just floating. And that that may seem really deep and theological, but it's really lousy <laughs> theology, when it comes with finding our value in Christ, finding value for our, our day, because our value in, in Christ is knowing that that grace comes and forgives us and that, that, that his blood covers us and we are uh, seen as clean before him. And so it, it empowers us and gives us permission to live in fresh and new ways. And it gives us new activities that are Jesus focused, which are, are good for us and for our community. And it it creates this pattern in our living that helps us to live above and out of the darker places of our life. So whether we are in or out of that dark place, once we discover our purpose in Jesus and allow him to speak that into us, we can focus more on Jesus and less on the grief, the trauma and the suffering, and we can find ways to deal with that. By the way, I've just reminded myself of an important point I need to make at this point, and to recognize that grief is a lifelong (laughs) pal. (laughs) it's a lifelong process. You're going to always struggle with this. There's no time limit. Different folks cope with it in different sorts of ways, but it's going to be a lifelong companion, whatever you are dealing with, whatever grief you're struggling with. I think that can be the same way with the different hurts of our life, because I've also learned that grief can be in like, for example, as a pastor, I've gone to different churches and I grieve my old congregations that I've, I've grown to love so deeply. I've grieved those things that we did together. So grief can take different sorts of uh, images. It can create different sorts of images in our life. It It can take different forms in our life. It's going to be a lifelong companion. So when I talk about being in or out of a dark place, it doesn't suggest that by focusing on Jesus, all is going to suddenly resolve, but that is it helps us to frame those things in a different light. We begin to see our purpose in him, our value in him, the way he loves us. And in doing so, we're able to focus not on the struggle so much, but on his glory. And that in turn shines a brand new light on the struggles. That's what I've found that has helped me so much as I've struggled. As folks have told me, you know, you you, you seem so strong. And I say, oh. I don't know how I do it. I just I just kind of wake up each day and survive. But I recognize that uh, part of the process for me in dealing with my traumas and stresses has been to just discover new, fresh ways every day to focus on Jesus. And even when I struggle with the dark places, and they still happen, sometimes on a daily basis, I bump into one of those dark places and I have to deal with it but I'm more equipped to do so when I know my purpose and when I focus on Jesus, I I hope that's helpful to you. I really do. The final thing I have on my list is remember anything we do is for Jesus, or excuse me. Anything we do for Jesus is a privilege. Anything we do for Jesus is a, a privilege. It's an honor to do it for him. It's an honor to serve him. May we serve him. Well, it's, it's not a task. This idea of serving Jesus isn't about being harnessed or chained. But it's about a privilege that changes our life. It's, it's about uh, th- this image that comes to my mind is, have you ever walked through, a, of course, many of you have the, the uh, midway of a, of a fair, and you've taken in all the smells, the, the funnel cakes, the, all the fried stuff. But you've, you've heard the screaming on the rides, and you've seen the happy faces. You've seen people with their prizes. And they're so happy. Look what I won. Look what I, the free stuff that I got at this booth. Look, look at this carnival, look at this event. I played this game, won this big stuffed animal, all the things that can happen at a, a, a fair by learning to focus on Jesus. As we walk through our days, there are still struggles. When you're at a fair, there are people with different levels of struggle. There are different people who are out just to con you or to rip you off. There are going to be people who uh, are are there who have just lost somebody important to them. And they're not sure if they really want to be there to have fun or not. But because of all the sensations, the smells and the sounds and the lights, you're kind of focusing on the positive and the good things around you. And it really takes you to a different place for a time. And I use that, not, not that again, not to set our walk with Christ up as being this this wonderful little carnival, but it does, it creates uh, patterns in our life even fragrances at times, even pictures, even images, certainly words and prayers that help us to focus on how we use the struggle to help others and find our way to the brighter day. That's how we serve well, even through the darker places. We're going to think more about thoughts like this as this podcast continues and be talking with more folks who tell their story about struggle. Uh, I just want to, by the way, I don't know when you watch this, whether this will be out now or not. And I'm going to just kind of share this. It may actually show up as backwards because of my camera. Uh, my new book, Because I'm Richard's Son, I, as I record this, it's about to be released. But it's uh, one that deals with my relationship with my dad and how it shaped my life. And uh, while I, I wrote this with a lot of men in mind, it's really for everyone. It's for any of us who have struggled to live in a legacy of somebody else as we've tried to figure out our way forward especially after we've lost somebody or somebody who was larger than life. I've so often said, if I were only half the man my dad was, I would have lived a good life. And I recognized something really important about that, that this book talks about, that that's not the right way to think about things. Uh, Also struggle with this idea that so many of us have been pushed to be great. This idea of greatness and, and, in my struggle with my story of my uh, of my relationship with my dad, I recognize that good is better than great. And I'll explain to you why and hopefully give you some hopeful things to think about. You'll also find my uh, other two books on my website uh, or, or my publisher's website, CorbinFosterMedia.com. CorbinFosterMedia.com. You can find out more about this podcast and others as well as uh, the books I've written. And perhaps you'll find some help in your day-to-day struggles there as well. And for goodness sake, there are places you can contact me there as well. If you'd like to get in touch with me and send me your emails, talk to me about your struggle, or if you have a story of overcoming, surviving that you would like to share with others, a story of how your faith, how somebody's love, how on your journey you learned that you could survive something that you never thought you could survive. And you'd like to tell your story, be sure and contact me again at CorbinFosterMedia.com. There are ways to contact me there and I would love to hear from you. Well, thank you very much for joining me for this uh, episode of survival guide for the non-survivor. My name is Greg fish. This is a Corbin cast podcast, and it's been so great getting to spend this time with you. Blessings to you, my friends.